All right, morning everybody. Uh, glad you're here with us today. Um, I want to just start out uh, with a word of prayer if I can, and then we'll uh, kind of transition into the message. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your presence, for your love. We thank you uh, just for the way you are so gracious, so forgiving, um, that you are quick with fresh starts. That as we turn to you, Jesus, that you just offer us new life again and again, new years, <laughs> new chances. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we move into this new year, that it would be a transformational one for us, that we would come to life, that we would grow in ways that we can't even imagine right now, that you would bring us to life as we learn to follow you, as we learn to walk with you, and just um, as we learn to just embrace your gospel. God, would you just have your way in us? Pray even now, God, that uh, we just want to crack the doors of our heart and pray that you would just come and speak, that you would come and minister, that you would come and, um, and speak to us in ways that we need to hear to really grow and come to life offer ourselves in this time to you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Happy New Year to you. Happy 2018 if I haven't seen you yet. Uh, glad you guys are here today. Last week, I challenged you uh, to really start off the new year by putting God first and uh, by kind of sort of consecrating or setting apart uh, yourselves and your families and even the church as a whole uh, to God and just say, you know what, so often we give, we give God leftovers, right? I mean, we, we sort of pack our lives full to the brim and if there's a little bit left over, we're like, okay, well maybe that could go in the spiritual box or whatever. And what we've been saying is we said, man, what would, what would it be like if we were to put God first as our, as our primary focus, as our primary love, as our pri primary priority, what do you think God could do? And so one of the challenges last week was to say, what if we, what if we took our, to start out with, what if we took our first seven days of, uh, of the new year and we set them apart and we, we got together early in the morning, <laughs> 6 a.m. for most of the week, um, and we just started out with prayer. And so we, uh, I challenge you guys to come and be, be a part of us. 50 of us showed up this week, uh, at least for a portion of uh, this journey with us, which has been awesome, been so encouraged by that and have spent time on their knees, on their faces, just praying for themselves, praying for each other, praying for their families, uh, their communities, their workplaces, whatever, praying that God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done. And I have to say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty jacked up about it. It was awesome. And so thank you so much for, uh, for praying with us and for joining us uh, for, for that adventure. Uh, I can't wait to see how he's going to answer those prayers in 2018. I think God has great stuff in store. Today I want to talk with you just a little bit more about how you and I can sort of step into this new year and thrive in our relationship with God in 2018. How we can sort of prepare our hearts, what we can do um, to really grow and to have a, an incredibly fruitful year. We're going we're gonna to study this and we're going to discover some lessons about it from a passage that Jesus teaches, a kind of a conversation and a, a teaching that Jesus has with a, a crowd in Luke uh, chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you've got uh, the Ignite Church app, you can also click on, there's a notes section there. It's got notes and all the scriptures you follow along. We'll also have it up on the screens. And you can just go with this here. But I want us to, to zero in on this. And Jesus tells a story, a, a parable. Uh, it's called the parable of the sower. Maybe a more appropriate would be a parable or a story of four different kinds of hearts. And as we read through this today, I want you to be thinking about which one is most like me. Okay, so we're just going to look at that and kind of learn some lessons from those things. Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 1, says this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town or village to another, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. It's the good news meaning uh, it's about how because of Jesus we have fresh start and we're restored to God and it's available to us free of charge because of Jesus, because of the price that he paid for. So he's proclaiming this good news that, that restoration and relationship with God is once again available to anybody and everybody that would receive Christ and would put their faith and trust in him. So going on it says, the twelve were with him and also some women who had been uh, cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow some seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and it was trampled on. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came, uh, came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so let me, let me just pause there and just say, so there's four different kinds of soil, right, in, in Jesus' story. Soil that, uh, that's like, uh, like a path that's been trampled on, he says. Soil that's like rocky ground. Soil that's choked out by, by thorns. And soil that's good and rich soil. If you're anything like Jesus' disciples, you might hear that and be like, what? Right? Like, what are you saying? Like, I know you're trying to say something to me, Jesus. I know this is an analogy for something, but what in the world are you talking about? In fact, that's pretty much what his disciples say. Like, I have, that's a good, really good story, Jesus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about, right? Kind of thing. And so he goes on and he explains it to him. If we jump ahead to verse 11, he gives us a little bit more insight into what it, what it is that he's talking about. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed, he says, is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed that fell on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Other times more than what was sown. So we're kind of zeroing in. We're getting a little bit closer into what this is talking about. Let's, let's sort of review. I want you to play with me here. So, so Jesus tells the story. He says, there's a farmer who goes out to sow seed. Who's the farmer in the story, in the metaphor? Okay, that was a little too fast. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're giving away my answers. <laughs> but yes, God, right? God's the, the farmer in this story. And it says, boy, this, this farmer is going out, and he is sowing seed. He is casting out seed all over the place. And what's the seed? Don't do it. What's the seed? What's that? 
the word of God, it says, right? Yes, ding, 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 ding. Right, God's word, it's, it's, uh, it's the way he's speaking to us. Uh, it's, uh, the picture is of him generously throwing out his word of truth and grace and wisdom to you and me. He's proclaiming the good news to you and me. He's trying to draw you and I closer to him, trying to teach us to follow him and how to step into his plans and purposes for our lives. In fact, I would say it's no accident that you're here this morning, right? But that God has you here and he is sowing seeds into your lives and into my life. And he is trying to draw us home, draw us back into relationship with him. He's trying to draw you in a way that would cause you to flourish in this upcoming year. He has good plans in store for you. The living God has always is, is trying to sow seeds and to draw his kids and his people home. He's trying to transform us and bring us to life. The picture, again, of him is just not just, uh, we talked about this in, in a different context a, a few months ago, but the, the picture here is not just of him taking one little seed and trying to drop it on the path, but it's reaching with handfuls and like throwing, casting seed out. It's like God is constantly throwing out his seed into our lives, no matter who you are, no matter how far you felt from him. He is constantly trying to draw you back. He's trying, constantly trying to, to bring life and vitality into you through Christ. And so he's doing that. But uh, so he's, he's casting out that seed. It falls on four different kinds of soil. Those four different kinds of soil represent what? Faith. What's that? Us? Is that what somebody said? Us? Yes? Anybody else? Okay. Our response to the seed. Sort of our responsiveness. That's good. That's our, our responsiveness uh, to what God's doing. The soil represents our attitudes, our hearts, our responsiveness to what God wants to do in you and through you. And Jesus is sort of saying, man, if you can learn from the story, if you can learn to have a, a, and cultivate good soil in your own heart, cultivate a heart and a, and a responsiveness to God so that his seed can come to life in you. He's like, man, it's going to produce fruit a hundred times more than what was sown. You know, it's just a picture of abundance, right? He said, he said, I'm taking handfuls and handfuls of seed and I'm throwing it out. And if it takes root in you, if you are responsive, if your heart is soft, if you are open to what I have for you, man, he's like, you can't even imagine how much, how much is fruit is going to be born in your life? How much is going to, you're going to come to life and you're going to thrive and flourish. Is that not cool? It's a cool picture. All right. But he kind of goes through it. And I would say with each kind of soil, there's sort of a lesson that Jesus is getting at in this whole deal. So I'm just going to walk through three lessons and then we're going to kind of end back where, where we started here, just talking about good soil. And so... The first uh, kind of lesson uh, regarding the first kind of soil, the first kind of attitude, and again, I'm just asking, and I want you to be asking, which kind of which kind of soil am I? Which kind of heart do I have? How responsive am I to God? Am I open? Am I closed? <laughs> am I cynical and skeptical? Am I, you know, or am I really like, no, no, God, I want to follow you. I want to be yours. I want to, I want to grow. I want to. I want to obey. I want to come to life. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be about the stuff that's important to you. I want to flourish in this upcoming year. So again, keep asking yourself, what, what kind of heart, which one of these do I most identify with? So lesson one, number one that I want to, I want to hit, uh, the first type of soil in the first kind of lesson is that I have to be receptive to God. The first step towards spiritual growth of any kind in our lives has to do with a receptivity to God. You sort of have to be open to him to grow. You have to be open to hear from him, eager and ready to grow. We're going to call that spiritual receptivity. The primary reason I think that, that we, we don't grow is because we don't really want to grow. We're not really open to what God has for us sometimes. 
For instance, uh, when you came to church today, that shows a certain degree of spiritual receptivity, doesn't it? It's, it's like you're showing up, wanting to connect with God, wanting to hear from Him, at least in some to some degree. Maybe you got drug here, and maybe not so much, you know, kind of thing. But but right for. for it shows some degree of openness on your part. There are hundreds of thousands of people in the greater Peoria metro area that chose not to do that this morning. And that's showing a degree of, they're sort of saying, no, I don't really have time for, or I don't want to hear, I don't want to, I'm not open to it. I don't want to hear what God has for me. I'm not going to mess with that kind of thing today. Jesus says that's sort of like the first kind of soil. When we, when we make choices that sort of close the door uh, on that kind of thing, that shows that we're not spiritually receptive, he says that's sort of like the first kind of soil. Luke 8, 5 says, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he did, so, as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled, and the birds of the air came and ate it up. And then jumping ahead to his explanation, he says, those along the path are the ones who hear, uh, and, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, in every farm in sort of Jesus' day, in, in the culture that he was teaching in, uh, a farmer would have had footpaths uh, that the farmer would use to kind of walk through his fields and that kind of stuff. It would be a similar kind of path they'd walk back and forth on probably hundreds or thousands of times throughout the year. It would be hard. It would get packed down. Nothing would grow there. Have you ever tried to plant something on really packed down soil? Uh, I was remembering this week, we had a, a driveway in our house in Wisconsin that had at one point had been a gravel driveway, um, but over decades of driving over it back and forth, whatever the gravel had sort of either gotten thrown out or spilled or just got pushed into the ground and all that was left was dirt. And, and this uh, dirt got, again, Every time you went in and out of the driveway, you're just packing it down more and more and more. And so in the spring and late winter, uh, it would get super muddy. It was ridiculously muddy and just nasty. Your cars get all crappy and stuff. And I thought I, I, I wanted to fix it, but I didn't really want to have to do the work of, uh, of getting more gravel or I didn't want to pay the money of putting like concrete down and stuff. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just plant some grass seed on it. So I took some grass seed out uh, one spring and I just took it and I just scattered the grass seed over top of it. And I thought, well, you know, maybe some grass will come up. Maybe it'll work like that. And I, I kind of put grass seed all, all up and down the driveway. How do you think that worked? Yeah, it was pretty muddy the next year too, right? I mean, it didn't do anything because the, because the seed couldn't penetrate the hard packed soil. That's the, that's the picture that he's saying here. He's like, Some, sometimes uh, that's the way our hearts are. That's the way our lives are. They're hardened up. They're sort of closed off from the plans that God has for us. One author I read this week said this. He said, there's two things that are true of, of a footpath. One is that it's very hard, and the other is that it's narrow. He said a lot of people's minds are like that. They're hard. They've got a heart, some hardening of their attitudes. Uh, and they're narrow. He says, it's sort of like, don't confuse me with the truth. I have my mind made up. I don't want to hear anything that, that uh, confronts that. In fact, if you, if you uh, spend much time on social media at all, you see this increasingly in our culture, don't you? Like people that are just like, well, I just want to blurt out what I think, and then I don't even want to consider anybody else's opinion, right? Like I'm just going to it'll blast you if you say anything different from me, but I don't really want to hear it, right? There's sort of this hardening. It's, it's a hard and sort of a narrow sort of attitude. But the same is true in our relationship with God. Sometimes we're closed off from God like that. We're closed off. We don't want to hear his truth. We're like a little kid going, yeah, man, I don't want to hear you, you know, kind of thing. But God, don't make me hear that. 
but uh, but that's sort of the picture that comes here. He says, when that happens, man, it's like birds come along, like the, the devil comes along and snatches that word, uh, God's good news away before it even has a chance to sprout in our own lives. And what I like about this and also what's challenging probably uh, is that Jesus isn't pretending that there's not a spiritual battle going on for, for our souls, because there is. There is a battle that's going on that's raging every day between God and the enemy, right? And, and God's saying, man, I, I want to bring life to you in this upcoming year. I want you to thrive. I want you to grow. I've got good plans for you. But, but if you are hardened up, there's also an enemy that would love to derail those plans in any way he can. got to at least crack the door of your heart. You, have, you have to at least have some receptivity. Open yourself up to me because I have good stuff in store for you in this upcoming in, in this upcoming year. I don't know. I think as a pastor, it's always interesting uh, to, to preach and to be up in front of people. And I, I believe me, if, if I make eye contact with you, it's not on purpose, okay? I'm just sort of talking. But, like, it's always interesting to be on this side because you can kind of see from people's body language sometimes, like, what they really think. Sometimes you can tell somebody got drugged to church, and they'll sit there, and they're listening to the message, but their arms will be crossed. Sometimes they'll even be glaring at me, or they'll kind of turn, like, like their body, like they, they, they're turning away from me <laughs> instead of like looking around. And you can tell like from their body language, they're like, yeah, they're kind of like a path, right? They're kind of hard. They're like, don't even mess with me, preacher boy. You know, I mean, they're like, come on, I don't, don't you know, they're, they're kind of turning away. And I'm like, I think, I think we have the propensity to do that sometimes, is we can harden up in, in those kinds of ways. And yet I have to say, when that's, when that's the case in our own souls, we won't even give God a chance. We won't, when we won't even crack the door, I just say we're cultivating a, a barren wasteland spiritually in our own souls. And we're missing out from the life and the growth that God wants to do in us. And so, I just, again, just go back to the point, man, we've got to cultivate at least a little bit of openness. I understand that sometimes... We, we feel like we've gotten burnt by God. I understand that sometimes there's stuff that happens that we don't understand. We, we struggle to get a grip with it. I understand that some of us, we didn't grow up in the church, and this is all kind of a new thing for us. And so maybe we don't, we don't really know what we believe about this kind of stuff. But, man, if you could just crack the door a little bit. Crack open the book a little bit. I think it's fascinating, and I'll talk to this a, a little bit in the next point. But man, I mean, the word, the, the the seed that he's sowing is the word of God. This stuff brings life to our souls. Maybe it's time to crack this open and check out this Jesus guy a little bit. Maybe it's time to come to a series, to a series, or to a church, or to a whatever for for a little bit. Just kind of check out this God thing and see if it's not true as a way to, to cultivate. A soft heart, cultivate some openness before God, because then you give him a chance, and he's going to start planting things and bringing you to life in unbelievable kinds of ways. Uh, I'm sort of off pace, but we'll just kind of keep going. I, I just made the, the first thing, if we could just sort of cultivate that, even start praying that, God, would you give me an open heart, a receptive heart to what you have for me? I just, want, I just wonder what God would do in us. Second lesson, second kind of soil, uh, is that I have, I have to be resolved to grow. It means I've got to sort of make a decision or a commitment. Uh, I, I have to accept responsibility for my own spiritual growth. In fact, let me just say that a little bit differently. Uh, 
who is ultimately responsible for your spiritual growth, for your relationship with God, for you coming to life? Who is ultimately responsible for that? Is it me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, but we are, right? Like, say, I am, right? I am. I'm responsible. Yeah, it's on you, Pastor. Yeah, like, you did me. <laughs> but sometimes we act like that. Like, I have to say, uh, I shouldn't get on this subject, but sometimes we act like that. Like, well, if I'm not growing, it's somebody else. It's my wife's fault or my husband's fault or my pastor's fault or the church's fault or somebody else's fault. When really, we just never, we have just never really made that commitment to grow in our relationship with God. We've never put in the time and said, you know what, I'm going to actually read God's book. I'm going to actually get down on my knees. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to live for him, right? If if we don't take those sort of steps, if we don't, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, saying, you know, where he says you reap what you sow, right? I mean, if we haven't, if, or I said that backwards, you sow what you, yeah, no, you reap what you sow, I said that, right? But if we haven't spent the time, then we're not going to reap the spiritual fruit in our lives, right? Uh, it, it's just the way it goes. Chesterton, I've got the quote up there, says, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. And I just think, man, that's, it's so often that's true. Most of the time we don't grow simply because we've never really made it a priority in our lives. We've never really tried to grow. We haven't been willing to do what it takes. But in order to grow, friends, it takes sort of a stubborn resolve that says, I'm going to do whatever I have to whatever I have to do to, to grow in my relationship with God. Since my chief purpose in life is to know Christ and to glorify him, to, to live life, I'm going to, I'm going to take some action and, and I'm going to deliberately expose myself to his word and, and, and to prayer and other things, his presence, in, in order for me to be able to grow up and flourish uh, this year in Christ. Jesus said this is sort of like uh, what the second soil represent. Verse 6 says this. Some seed, he said, fell on the rock, and it, it came up, and the plants withered because they had no moisture. Well, here's what he's talking about here. He's not really talking about, when I read that, and maybe you're like me, I'm thinking like rocks like mixed in with the dirt. And I'm like, what is that about? But in Israel, actually, in, again, in this time, and it, it's still today, this is true. Uh, uh, there's a lot of the country uh, that was that had a thin, loya, a thin layer of topsoil uh, with bedrock just immediately below it. And so it would be easy for plants for plants to, to, to start growing and to come to life, but they would get to a certain point and the, the roots couldn't go down deep enough. And so then in the summer, when the, the scorching winds start blowing in from the desert and the heat is really on, what happens to a plant that doesn't really have adequate roots? It withers, right? It starts shriveling up and dying. He said, you know what? Sometimes our own hearts and our own souls are like that. He's saying it's, it's sort of a picture of superficial commitment. Jesus is saying a lot of people are like this. In verse 13, he, he explains it a little bit more. He says, those uh, that, that, that seed that's, that's thrown and scattered on the rock are like the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but at the time of testing, they fall away. Jesus is saying that sh shallow soil, like this rocky soil, represents a superficial commitment. Notice he says these people received the word with joy. They got excited about it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten excited, for instance, when you heard a sermon or you had a great worship experience or maybe you got excited you prayed and you saw an answer to prayer. You think, I'm going to pray like this all the time. Or, or you get excited about a message. Oh, man, that was so good. I'm going to go home. I'm going to live this stuff out. It's going to be great. And you walk out the doors and what happens? Nothing. 
That's never happened to you, right? Have, have you ever gotten excited about something or, or, or whatever uh, and, and then had a sort of fizzle when it came to execution? I'm sure that's never happened to you. Anybody here ever made a New Year's resolution, for instance? Anybody ever, anybody ever said, I'm going to hit the gym all the time in the upcoming year and then had it not really live out? You guys are all a bunch of liars. I'm just, I'm just telling you that right now. Right? Yeah, I mean, all, that happens to us all the time. We are something like that, right? We'll say, oh, I think I want to do that. We get excited. We get emotionally stirred. Maybe we hear a story. We're like, oh, man, I want to be like that. But then we never actually live it out. We don't make the commitment. We don't do the follow-through. We don't get accountability, whatever. And so we never actually get to live this stuff out. We were touched, but we weren't transformed. And this is what he's getting at here. He says, until the word of God penetrates to the bedrock of our lives, until its roots grow down super deep into our hearts and affect our actions, it's going nowhere. We're moved. We might be emotionally stirred, but it, it may just be a shallow commitment because we, we've never really intended to grow in the first place. We never really intended to act on that or to obey it or to be changed or to be challenged. We never really intended to put it into practice. This parable says that, uh, that the, those that are mature are those that have they hear God's word. They retain it. It means literally that they, they, they've maintained a steady course by it. And thirdly, that they continue to obey it. He says those that do that will bear fruit. They read it. They hear it. They adjust their lives by it. And they let it transform them. Those are the ones that grow. Those are the ones that flourish. God says that if you, you and I want to put down some deep roots, if we want to grow in the upcoming year, then it's going to take some time and some energy. It's going to take, require some plan, a, a willingness to change. It's going to involve digging into God's, God's truth, God's word, the Bible, putting his words into practice in our lives. Friends, you and I, we, it's possible to, to read the Bible and not grow. Uh, that, that's possible. But you cannot grow spiritually without reading his word. It's just not possible. You will not grow up spiritually without it. His word is sort of like the food that you and I need for life. I don't know if you remember or not, but when Jesus was tempted in the desert, there's this, uh, uh, there's this whole interaction. He, he always responds with, it is written, right? Kind of, so he's, he responds to the devil tempting him with, with quotes from scripture. But this one is particularly interesting uh, to me. One time he was tempted, and this was his response. His response. Again, he's quoting from the Old Testament. Man does not live by bread alone. Oops, you had that one? Is there another slide? Yeah, there it is. Nope. Okay, go back. Maybe move it up on the previous one, maybe? Okay, well, forget it. Here's, here's what it says. <laughs> here's what it says. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I think it's a fascinating uh, verse. It's a fascinating idea. He's saying, you know, our food, right, what, what we, that causes us to grow and thrive and sustains us and gives us strength is every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's like, man, there's something powerful about his, his word. It's, it's the reason he uses his word is, is the illustration for seed in our lives. God wants to do some amazing things in you this year, church. He does. He wants to grow you up in ways you can't even imagine. He's got good plans for you. But those good plans are not going to come about from us just being swept away by the tides of culture. 
It's not just going to come from just, you know, uh, what I tell you last week, two hours and 52 minutes a day on our phone or something like that. It's the average in 2017. It's probably not going to happen from that. by just flipping through Facebook for hours on it. It's going to come as we expose ourselves to God's truth, to God's book, and to learn to put it into practice in our lives. He's got good stuff in store for you. He wants to bring you to life, but it's going to require us to say, you know what, I'm going to get down on my knees and pray. I'm going to to learn to open up his book. I'm going to learn to, to eat, so to speak, to feast on his truth. And not just read it, not just have our eyes go over it so that we can check it off the list, but to actually put it into practice. Wrestle with, what does this look like to live out and put it into practice in our lives? It's the good stuff. Let me give you some specifics. If, if, if you're like, okay, well, that's great, but I have absolutely no idea how to do that, <laughs> then uh, let me just highlight a couple things. As Tina mentioned earlier, we're doing a Bible 101 class next week. It's, it's a seminar, two hours long. It includes lunch, so it's probably 90 minutes long after church. Uh, if, if you are, I can't remember uh, as a new believer being this way, but if, if this is a book that you're like, I'm a little confused by it, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm not exactly sure how to read this and how to how to put it into practice. I'm not exactly sure how to understand it. Some of this, you know, they start talking about stuff in the in the Old Testament portions, and you know, my eyes get big and my jaw drops. I'm like, what is that about? Or even sometimes in the New Testament, if that's you, and you're like, I would like to grow in my relationship with God. I'd like to learn more about who Jesus is. I'd love to, to feast on this, like you said. I'd love to, to let the, the word get planted and grow up in my life, but I don't know how. I would strongly encourage you to join us um, next week. So you can sign up uh, on, on the app if you want. You can sign up. Uh, there's a, a sheet on the welcome table. You can sign up for it. Uh, you can even just probably show up on them for food purposes. It'd be better than Ellen Kelly. But, uh, but, but feel free to plan on joining us. We'll, we'll, it'll be real practical. We'll do a quick overview of the entire Bible. Uh, I'll give you some, some samples of how it's divided up and kind of where to find different things. Um, we'll, we'll talk about how to understand it, how to read it in a way that brings transformation in our own lives, how to read it and understand it, some of that kind of stuff. It's going to be a great, real practical course uh, on, on how to do that. So I would encourage you to join us uh, for that. And uh, the other thing is, is if, you, uh, if you're looking for some ways to, to kind of build this habit into your life of opening up God's Word and, and whatever, if you have the Ignite Church app on your phone, I'd encourage you to open that up. I added a thing this week called resources. It's some books with a circle around it on the app. And I listed on there a bunch of different Bible reading plans that'll just kind of help you do it. Some of them are topical that just deal with like, hey, I want to I need to break free from some sin and some junk or I want to I want help in you know financial area. I need to see God bust into relationships. So there's some practical ones like that. But there's also some just read through the Bible kinds of things. Read through the New Testament, read through a book of the Bible, whatever. It's everything from I think the shortest one is maybe five to seven days just to kind of get you started to some of them are year-long uh, Bible reading plans. And I would encourage you to find one that connects with you and just start doing that. It helps give a little bit of structure to that and sort of a, a routine that you can start practicing in the morning. I'm telling you what, friends, five or ten minutes a day could totally revolutionize your, your day, your week, and the upcoming year. It could, it could give opportunity. Again, it's, it's a way to crack the door of your heart and expose yourself to the truth and the seed of, God, of God's work and, and set you up to grow in some amazing ways in this upcoming year. I also included um, 
the, the prayer, think that we, the model we've been using, the Lord's Prayer that we've used every day this last week um, as we pray together, uh, and just kind of breaks it down uh, as a way to say, use that in your prayer life. So, so spend uh, some time reading a chapter or a, a portion of scripture each day, and spend a few minutes on your knees just praying to God and see what he will do. Deal? Good stuff. So lots of opportunities. You can even sign up for the uh, Bible 101 on, on, under that uh, resources tab as well. If you like. All right. Let's let's set ourselves up for a breakout here. That way, let's look at the third one. Third one is this: that I have to be ruthless with distractions. I, uh, well, I've shared this story before. It's a fave of mine, but I, I, I think of it every time I think of distractions. Uh, I remember hearing this story one time about a guy that went in by himself alone to a kind of a fancy restaurant. He started, uh, he, he sat down and was going to order all this kind of stuff. And at this table, sits down next, uh, the table next to him, this, this beautiful woman comes in and she sits down. And he is enamored, like immediately. He's like, whoa. <laughs> Pretty right? Because he's, he's, he's dumbfounded. Pretty girl. And uh, so he's just kind of staring at her, but he can't work up the courage to actually say something to her. And so he's just sort of sitting there looking at her and whatever. And, you know, anytime she looks up, he's looking down and all this, you know, that kind of stuff back and forth. And uh, finally, uh, you know, the, the waitress comes, brings drinks, all that kind of stuff. And this woman sitting at the table, she she's, she's like, <gasps> Achoo! And she sneezes, and at the moment she sneezes, her glass eye pops out and flies through the air. <laughs> and he snatches it instinctively out of the air and starts walking over to her. She's mortified, of course. So she's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so embarrassed. She pops it back in, and she's like, I feel so terrible about ruining your meal and your evening and everything. Like, I, why don't you come and join me and I'll buy you supper? And so uh, a guy, again, this guy's like, well, great. And so uh, they, they enjoy a great meal together. Uh, she pays for it afterwards. She's like, well, I still feel maybe you should go get a movie or you know, go to a movie or something. So again, they go to a movie and she pays for it. And, and he's like, man, this is great. And when they're done with the movie, she's like, you know what? I am actually a pretty good cook. And so if you'd like, you can come over in the morning and I will make a gourmet breakfast for him and put out the full spread. It's going to be awesome. And he's like, well, heck yeah, I'm in, right? I mean, like that kind of thing. And so the next morning he comes over and again, the table is full with all this amazing food. And he said, man, you you are like the perfect woman. He's like, do you treat every guy that you meet this way? And she said, no, you just happened to catch my eye. <laughs> okay, come on. It was funnier than that. Think about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I have to say, when it comes to spiritual growth, when it comes to spiritual growth, we, we have to leave some space. We can't just go after everything that catches our eye or we end up with no time or space to actually grow in our walk with God. It's true, isn't it? I, I'll tell you what, we did a survey at our last church in Wisconsin one time and asked people what was holding them back from really growing spiritually, from really coming to life. You want to guess what the number one answer was? Time. You know what? It, it, that's actually a faulty answer because all of us have the same amount of time, do we not? Do you have 24 hours in your day? Yeah, okay. So people are like, wait, look, one, two. Yeah, no, we, we do, right? We all have the exact same amount of time. But it's really a matter of priority, isn't it? It's a matter of, of, of creating time and making space. And, and to do that, we need to ruthlessly eliminate distractions from our lives. We need to create a niche, create space for the most important stuff so we don't get distracted from this, the plans and the purposes and the stuff that God has in store for us. A lot of things can steal our focus, can't they? 
There are lots of problems, lots of events, lots of things that we can waste our time and energy on that, we, that can dampen our enthusiasm for growing spiritually. The Bible calls these things weeds or thorns. The thorns that grow up into your life and they, they sort of begin to choke out the spiritual growth so you don't have any vitality left, any energy left to become who God wants you to be, to do what God wants you to do. Jesus says the third type of soil represents this barrier to growth. He says in verse 7, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And his explanation in verse 14 says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear the word, but they go on their way, and they are choked by life's worries, uh, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. The key word of this passage is choked. Uh, another translation says it's crowded out, so to speak. Jesus says that the, the seed sprouts in your life, and as it begins to grow, as you begin to grow up spiritually, um, other things sort of capture your attention and crowd out or choke out uh, the spiritual vitality in your life. It's crowded out by the other stuff of life, and so uh, that seed can't bear fruit. It doesn't grow up. It doesn't experience the full plans of what God has in store for us. When I get too many things in my life, it crowds out God. It chokes out my spiritual vitality. Well, let me just, uh, I mean, first of all, I think we can all identify with this, right? Do, do any of us ever feel like we get too busy? <laughs> do any of us feel like, I mean, that's the case? Do I, I mean, is that ever an excuse we use for why we didn't go to church or why we don't pray more, why we don't grow more, why we don't read more, why we don't whatever? I think all of us kind of use that as an excuse sometimes. Right? We're like, I'm just too busy. There's too much going on. And I get it. We live in a world that just wants to pile up more and more and more, both at work, right, that's always expanding the workload. It seems like they want more and more and more for less and less money, but that's a different conversation, right? That's, but I mean, there's that. I think at home, the demands are overwhelming. I, I think at each stage of life, we felt like our plates were completely full, right? Like when we had young kids, you're like, man, I my life is going crazy, right? I'm chasing little kids around, trying to, right? We're doing correction. We're doing all this kind of stuff. They get older, and you're like, they have so much going on that we feel like a taxi service. We're running people back and forth and all this kind of, we're busy. I, I, I've heard plenty of people, even when they're retired, say, you know, people always say, oh, I'm going to do stuff when I'm retired, and then I'll have time to those things. I've never been more busy than I am now, right? Every single stage of life, right? From single to married to family to, you know, to empty nesters to all the way through. Our lives tend to just fill up. We, and they get crowded out. And if we're not careful, if we're not ruthless with distractions, right, our spiritual life just gets choked out. And we end up at the end of another year saying, man, I wish I would have grown more, I wish I, I wish I could have lived out my purpose more. I wish I could have, you know, invested myself into stuff that would last more. I wish, right? I wish, I wish, I wish. All of us experience that. All of us feel that sometimes, don't we? Uh, in, in this passage, uh, Jesus shares three different things that can so easily crowd out uh, and choke our spiritual lives, making us unfruitful. He, the first one he says is cares or worries, right? The cares of life. The problems and the pressure and the worries of life. The word that Jesus uses here means that you're pulled in many different directions, and that's kind of what we're talking about. Ever feel like you're pulled in a lot of different directions? Absolutely. Kind of franticness in life, in your job, in your family, worrying about it, being distracted by it. Those things 
can so easily choke life out of us, can choke out the, 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 the growth of the spiritual life that God has for us. Riches, he mentions, is number two. Pursuits of money and stuff and all that kind of stuff. It can keep us from growing. It can keep us uh, consumed and focused on going after the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and trying to, to make our families financially secure. And we can get our focus off of God and so easily onto those things that can choke out life out of us. Starting next week, we're going to be uh, launching a new series here tonight called Making Change. And we're going to be talking about this whole issue of finances because those things, I have to say, this is an area that can so easily choke life out of us and cause anxiety in us and all this kind of stuff. And we're going to talk about how we can walk and follow God in, in this area in a way that leads to freedom and in a way that leads to actually peace-filled finances. You might not think that's possible, but you should be here because I think God's got great stuff in store for us uh, in this whole realm. So I uh, would encourage you to do that. But man, it, it's true. Riches and money and stuff and all that, it, it can so easily crowd out God and choke uh, the fruitfulness in our own lives. So the, the third one he mentions is pleasure, right? And just the pursuit of going after me and my stuff and what I want uh, that can make us unfruitful. And it can be, I mean, sometimes this can be good stuff, right? Like even things like family or whatever, but we get so focused on my family and my needs and my job and my whatever. It's so focused on ourselves that we just don't have space. We don't have time to be distracted from anything uh, of God. We can so easily get sidetracked that it can keep us from living fruitful, productive lives that, where we can just really come to life in God. Friends, I really, just kind of going back to, to the beginning here, I really think God has great plans in store for you this year. I think God has great plans for us this year in 2018. I think this could be your best year ever with God. I think this could be a season of unprecedented growth in your life. I think God could and wants to do some amazing things in you and through you as you learn to feed yourself and others, as you learn to grow up in Him. I think God has big plans for you, uh, for, for even us as a church to grow us, right, in terms of numbers and in depth and in love and passion for Jesus. But it will require that you and I have hearts that are wide open to him, saying, God, I need you. I want you. Would you come and live your life in me? Would you come and, would you come and reveal to me who you are? It's going to re require us to at least crack the door to him and, and, and give opportunity for us to hear the word and get to know him. God, would you teach me? Would you, would you soften me towards the, the plans and towards the things that you need to do in me? It's going to require us being resolved to grow, a commitment to dig into God's book, to, to maybe sign up for some of these classes or whatever, to do whatever it takes so that we can grow, so that we can dig into God's word, so that we can pray and we can really flourish. And as we put these things into practice, as we let him transform us, and it's going to require us to, to be ruthless with distractions, not letting anything crowd out the stuff that God wants to do in us and through us. Those of us that, uh, that, that cultivate a heart that's good, they that say, you know, we're not going to let anything crowd it out. We're not going to, we're going to ruthlessly uh, push that stuff to the side. We're going to be resolved to grow, and we're going to be receptive to the stuff that God has in store for us for those that do that and cultivate a good heart. He says, man, I'm going to bear fruit in your life. I'm going to cause what has been sown in you to grow up so much that it flourishes a hundred times more 
and what was so. God has abundant plans for you, friends. He wants to do great things in you in this upcoming year if you'll receive it, if you'll walk with him, if you'll uh, expose yourself, right, and even commit yourself to letting his word and his gospel do a work in you. He's got good stuff in store. My prayer for us is that we would embrace it, that we would live in it, that we would take action to grow in this new year. Let's close the prayer for today. God, that's our cry this morning. We want to grow. I don't know. I think there's something in all of us that doesn't just want to stay static or stagnant, that doesn't want to just, um, I don't know, stay stuck in the past. But God, I pray that you would move us forward this year as a church and as individuals, as families and marriages, that you would move us forward that you would cause uh, cause your word to flourish in us, to come alive in us, would you teach us to walk with you and to know you. Give us hearts that are wide open to you, responsive, receptive to what you have in store for us. God, would you, would you I don't know, I think many of us struggle with discipline and stuff too, but I pray that you would help us uh, just to even put together some plans and put you in our schedules and in our days first. That praying wouldn't just be something that happens for the first seven days of the year, but that praying and seeking you and and uh, and re- receiving and being transformed by your word, God, that would permeate our lives this year. And as we seek you and as we find you, God, would you bring us to life? Give us wisdom, God. And, Encourage to make the changes and the choices necessary uh, to live with you and for you, to put you first in our year, to put you first in our lives. And as we follow you, God, as we walk with you, as we learn to hear you and allow you to transform us and change us and lead us and guide us and fill us, God, as we do those things, would you bear forgiveness? Would you bring about life?